Hello and welcome to This Ripe Fruit. My name is Phoebus and this podcast series aims to look at what it means to be sexual by exploring the experiences and insights of people who either directly work in the sex industry or whose work is closely linked to sex. I'm a psychotherapist and currently carrying out a doctorate on the meaning of sexuality. And my aim in this series is to create an open and non-judgmental space where we can all listen and learn from people who deal with sex and the sexual professionally. My first guest is Jason Domino, who is a porn star, sex worker, sexual health speaker, and the founder of Porn for Prep. In this episode, we discuss his experiences in the industry, performing and performance anxiety, erections, and whether talking about sexual health is sexy. But first, I began by asking him what initially appealed to him about escorting and porn. I knew that there were certain dialogues within myself that I avoided because I was uncomfortable having them. Um, However, if I were taking sex professionally, then it would be enough of a drive for me to engage with the conversations wholly. So certain things like at certain moments, I, I, I'm not quite sure how explicit to be during this recording. As explicit as you'd like. <laughs> okay, so um, certain things like understanding what might make you go soft before penetration, which some people have, I think it's up by latter found it's quite connected to performance anxiety and so by pushing yourself into a more intense performance and dealing with more intense performance anxieties my thought was it would enable me to overcome those moments where uh, I was becoming unreliable. And, And did you find that um for you going soft before penetration had only to do with performance anxiety. Oh no, these things are these things are very complicated. I mean, your body, I guess, as a man, um, having a penis is quite a quite a barometer on how you are doing. Uh, it can be your performance anxiety, but it can be uh, monetary stress with your partner and the way that your body uh, expresses that you're just ignoring and repressing repressing these uh, concerns. And at this particular time, when you depend on your body, your body's gonna say, no, you've been ignoring me for ages and there's something that's going on and it's hurting and we're gonna sort of kick back at you. It, it can feel like a them and us sort of situation, but it, it's, it's because so much can get pushed into your deep conscious is how I sort of interpret it. So a lot of the time, uh, I find a performer who's not very reliable. I will speak to them about mindfulness, and I will try and work. I'll try and help them uh, look at the things in their life that are their greatest concerns, and see whether that is connected, and see whether putting together strategies to manage those concerns in turn helps them with their performance because if they want to be a good performer they want to do well no one wants to have a, a show go out there where they're disappointed or you know that's going to circulate for uh, forever on the dark corners of the internet so they they spend time on those things and those things might be uh, being unhappy with their teeth or you know it could be all sorts of things but if it's on their mind it can have an impact so, so there's something you're saying about 
a conversation with your body mm. and going limp is in some ways something that your body is communicating to you absolutely because a lot of these people who uh, potentially get soft just before penetration or the different moments throughout sex they absolutely wake up with their body functioning the way you'd expect maybe waking up with a hard on these sorts of things so it's not a sort of biological uh, complaint and obviously for some people it is and it's 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 good for them to speak with a, a GP and or specialist and, and identify that it's not an organic problem but start to unpack some of the issues where they are maybe running from things um, so, so, so you mentioned initially that part of your exploration or part of your appeal for going into porn was to explore your sexual side a bit more mm-hmm. was there any uh, can you say a bit more about what else? Oh, absolutely, I will say <laughs> I have no secrets. <laughs> um, so, okay, so uh, to begin with, I, I think potentially, I don't know whether it's because of my look or just what people wanted, but I kept being put into positions of being top, being top as being the penetrative partner. Um, and I wanted to understand more of my submissive, uh, receptive self. Uh, and the ability is to flip between those and the headspace which comes with all of that. And I wanted to understand why occasionally I would go soft just before penetration and I wanted to understand why the di- why I was attracted to different types of people in different ways uh, and to break through certain preferences which the more I explored I realised preferences doesn't really exist it's just based on your past experiences and then you start to notice that your sexual appetite becomes more varied as you've had those as you've had more experience um and a lot of it's just sort of background fears worries and things you've built up inside your head um now i i feel like i have an appetite for like human (laughs) and that's the exciting thing like I've reached a point where my mental like attitude on uh, on pansexuality is is one thing and actually how I am sexually actually quite nicely aligns with that and I'm aware that that's not for everyone I mean some people have quite specific kinks even ones that they're really difficult to wrestle with but I'm in a place where I've explored the sort of corners of myself that I wanted mm. to do. And and is there something for you particularly significant about breaking through preferences? I think it was a nice one to explore. And I think particularly as a sex worker, you you make yourself explore that because you, you mean quite often, you know, you have to work with the clients you get. Um, but... I thought, like, I guess on a quite intellectual level, I've always appreciated the ideas that people are more than just their physical bodies. And uh, preferences is all about that, really. And it's awful to, to, to suggest that people um, go around and, like, try things just for the sake of trying things. Like, that, that in itself is talking about using people as a like as a token of experience. Um, but at the same time, it was by trying experiences with people that I was, I let myself be open to, 
Um, and even if I was saying, you know, I, this is something that I, I'm learning with, it was by those experiences. And maybe not even the first time, a number of times, that I completely shattered what I thought the idea of sexy was. Age range, body type, all sorts. So what is sexy for you? For me, the best, the thing that I like the most, the thing that I like the most is chemistry. The sort of sexual tension, the awkwardness, the human interactions between people, the simple body contact or the eye contact. The, the things that you can describe but you sometimes have to describe quite poetically because there's almost not quite enough language for it. And the connection between, the sort of unspoken connection between people, like that's something that I, I, I really enjoy. And it's something that flourishes most in sober sex. I mean, with sex on drugs, there's all, you can have these feelings of being connected to someone, but it's so lost uh, afterwards. And so much of it is an introspective understanding of what's going on. It's it's not really the same. Whereas things like with the sober sex element, you, you know when there's just something which you which you've done with someone else, and it's caused like a shiver to run up their body, and even without touching them or them showing the shiver, you you can kind of feel it throughout there but it's not a physical shiver either like there's it's I don't know if there's intuition there or whatever it is but that's a fascinating space and it I guess that there's forms of like domination where people say they're getting into sort of um, hypnosis and all these sort of mind tricks and stuff I don't think it's anywhere as deep as any of that stuff about getting in someone's head it's just for me it's just about connection uh, sometimes that's really tactile, sometimes that's kind of the electricity between the air. Um, but that's that's what I relish. Mm. And, and if that isn't present when you're having sex, what, mm. what, what do you feel you're doing? If that isn't present when having sex, then I find that the challenge to to find and to ignite that because I think a lot of the time it's secretly what people would like even if uh, so a lot of the time people who find me aren't looking for you know for drug sessions or um, all sorts I mean a lot of I, my, my personality is quite uh, public on things like social media and stuff I talk quite a lot about caring and being kind and open and so a lot of the time the people that do find me um, well, I'm not even sure whether they find me through social media because of that. Maybe it's, maybe I'm just fortunate that things like my physical characteristics let people recognise that that's what I'm interested in and offer. And would you say that's the same or different in porn? Hmm. Porn sex and real sex are very, very different. Um, I think the best... Uh, scenes are when there is chemistry with the person that you're working with but also there's chemistry with the cameraman because uh, you're in some ways including the audience uh, the cameraman is the representation of everyone viewing um, 
So that's that that's something. So many people are focused on the performance and making sure that the lighting is right and there's no shadows in the certain places and the facial expressions are right that they forget that. Whereas I think particularly people who've done lots of porn notice when there's not chemistry, they notice when there's a strain. Um, and again, I think the best scenes are when there is uh, when there is chemistry. And, and not, not all performers I've worked with have, have wanted to go down that chemistry route because they're very focused on it, it looking perfect. But I can be quite persuasive. <laughs> and, and what is it like um, having sex in front of a number of people who are not the old. largest crowd I performed in front of it was on stage and it was about 5,000 um, it takes the pressure which you can experience from a porn scene and it puts it to the max so it's really extreme and when it's really extreme my thought is uh, it'll make your film work better because you're dealing with larger experiences um, so if you've handled more extreme like anxiety then things like doing it in front of a camera will be less worry but I always say to people who are starting porn for the first time at least do one of these online shows so that you're aware of how your body is uh, in front of a camera because it'll often be different to the way you expect but what is it like to have sex in front of 5,000 people or a camera crew of, I don't know how many people, and on a porn set? Well, it's a very, they're very different experiences, the, the 5,000 on stage and the, the porn set, because a lot of the time uh, on set they will make sure there's as few people around as possible, because a lot of people are, are sort of knocked off, off their game by extra people being there. But you and, can... and sorry, when you say knocked off their game, you mean... I mean, it's largely the, the top going soft. That's where the most, that's the most fragile component within any sex show or, or scene. Because uh, once they're out of their headspace, um, it can be quite tricky because they're, they're in their own head, again, um, and they're worried about things going wrong. And as soon as they're worried about things going wrong, then that's a, a negative feedback loop. There's a few things that you can do, and there are things that people that people have done to me that have helped, and I've realised that, and I've sort of used that in order to help other people. So there's certain tricks, like you tell the performer who has started to to clam up. Um, you obviously you give them space to be themselves, um, but you tell them that you've known about them for a while, and you secretly fancy them and you've been looking forward to perform for ages and it doesn't matter how the scene goes uh, but you're going to have fun and you just take it back down to something more human and as soon as again you're able to genuinely ignite with chemistry things start working again so are you saying you would say that even if you didn't feel that? So as a performance, so that's as meta performance? As a performance, I know it sounds like a lie, but as a performance, you have to make the scene work and they are incredibly happy to be put back into a mental state where they can perform. I actually, as I said about enjoying the challenge anyway, like there's something quite dominant about that space, which I really enjoy. There's a, like, I like helping people. 
and I haven't had a time where I've ha- where I've said that, and it hasn't been uh, a part of me that hasn't meant it in some ways or other. Um, but it does it does really help. Someone said it to me the first time, and it's one of the only ways I know of of repairing a scene that can very easily become a slippery slope, and you know then it can be a, a, a three hour scene can become a six or seven hour scene and cost the company a lot more time because of editing. As an industry, you know, people can use Viagra or the, um, or the injection, but it's not, neither of them will overcome true performance anxiety. You mentioned an injection? Yes. I don't think I'm aware of injections. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that, um, particularly for stage shows people can use because anxiety can go, can be really intense um, so people will either use a penis pump and then tie off or they will use tie them. off so uh, a penis pump uses a vacuum and then um, there's like a, a cock ring which you can slide off the pump around the base of the dick mm-hmm. okay. and that means the blood that's in there will stay there even if the person is getting slightly intimidated by the crowd uh, it's not good to leave on for too long or to do too tight because obviously you can you can do some irreparable like scar tissue damage and things there um but if done well and someone knows what they're doing it can be helpful for a scene uh, not a scene but a, a, a show in particular so the injection is well america has some different injections available to, to what we have in in, in the uk and, and whatnot but they're, they're often developed for people with erectile um, dysfunction they work in different ways and they, you can't really mix them with things like Viagra and, and, and whatnot, but they are inject, you inject into the side of the dick and it'll, it can give you like a four hour erection. You don't really have to think about whether it works or not. The problem is some people use a little bit too much and then they may need to go to a hospital and have like an antidote in order to avoid causing uh, again, irreparable sort of damage. But the tricks with that is if it's not going down after four hours to get into either a bath of warm water or cold water and get your blood circulation going. And if it's still not calming down, then to go to hospital. It's, it's, it's quite, it seems quite intense and doing that to yourself is quite extreme, but a lot of the performers are going through quite a lot of mental gymnastics, preparing themselves for doing something like a again like a stage show in front of 5,000 or something that's really intense um, and having the confidence that you're going to do great before you go on there it either takes a lot of practice experience or something um, some people it's a natural you know it's just a natural thing but a lot of people as soon as things go well then it's easy mm-hmm. but they need these sometimes they, they use these sort of supplementary things in order to get to that point where they feel like, oh, it's going well, I'm, I'm in control here. And, and is there something about um, getting off on the exhibitionism of it? Absolutely. But a lot of people who think that they will do, I mean, will, will get off on that, will not be the people that actually do well on set. So they'll think that, you know, they'll enjoy porn and they'll get there and they'll retreat into themselves and, be, and and worry about it not being the way they wanted. So there's kind of like levels of enjoying exhibitionism and 
even so it's like a camera or an audience it's kind of just like a magical ingredient that you know whether it works or not once you're there and some people it's not it's it's not as you expect exhibitionism is great I mean I would say I have that I mean I I have a lot of confidence with my clothes off but I'm not sure how how simple it is I, w- I would say like I, w- I would say it's a little more complex than just me enjoying being seen by public I, I think I think it comes down to things like me feeling uh, again on top of things like performance anxiety and knowing myself and doing things that I set out to do as far as exploring more about myself I think it I think it can be it can it can it can have external internal maze of feelings <laughs> and also as you're saying something more complex about not only just being seen by others but I'd imagine oh, I all do. these others yeah. are in your mind I do enjoy them enjoying themselves uh, based on what I've done you know like I so love what them. your impact is on them yeah I mean I, I enjoy being in porn because not only I feel sexy doing it but I've thinking about it it's given me a little bits of feeling which is nice um a little bit of feeling what it's i'm feeling a little i'm feeling a little sexual thinking about it which is nice but thinking <laughs> that the feeling of other people enjoying my films uh, enjoying themselves sexually because of the films that i've done sexually that is that does it's kind of like a it's like a it's like a bubbling warm feeling inside it's exciting. I like that. Um, it's encouraging, and it. I know some people would say quite simply that's validate that I'm getting some source of validation there, and maybe that's maybe that's what it is. But life is quite short, and it's a nice feeling that I don't think is harming anyone. After having looked at how Jason experienced pleasure in his work, I was curious about what the differences were in his private life. So I started by asking him whether he has sex for his own private pleasure. Occasionally, yeah, but uh, it's still a lot of my needs are still kind of met by what I what I do, and a lot of people because of that will think, oh well, you know, why why would you charge for it and these sorts of things? But that's kind of like expecting, I don't know, a plumber to go to you know to suddenly stop you know to suddenly stop charging for it and do it for free. I guess a lot of my personal space is now I've I've had enough access to sex that I've seen through a lot of public I don't know whether it's a male position or not but when sex is this sort of heightened spotlight on a plinth sort of point it's it's something where everything like j'adore adverts and stuff are pointing towards sex very uh, subtly everything's pointing there and I think we pretend that our kids aren't going to get sexualized by that um, this sort of whole mysteriousness of sex and when you actually have enough transparency with sex and you, you kind of explore things enough you get to the point where the stuff which is your privacy are things like companionship and uh, again like connections and stuff 
And those are the things that I sort of appreciate. They're the type of things I look for in a partner. And it doesn't mean that someone who is the best person at sex would be any sort of threat for that. I mean, there's many things that you look for in a partner and it really doesn't need to be that that person is the best person at sex. What does that mean, the best person at sex? <laughs> the best person at sex. Um, you're right, that in itself is a complete fallacy. Uh, but for me, the best person uh, at sex still comes down to, again, the chemistry. It's not down to the size of the equipment or the moves used or the... Um, stamina that someone has. So, so these are certain skills that you're talking about. So <laughs> being good at sex means being good at these skills? No, so what I'm saying is these are things that people assume are the qualities that create good sex. Uh, and uh, maybe it's just again because it's what I'm, I relish, but it, it's again the, the chemistry. And it doesn't have to be, uh, again, as I said, things like um, like the stamina, because actually a quickie can be so intense, it's amazing. Um, the connection there is what it's about. It doesn't have to be the most intense experience. You know, It doesn't have to be like this drugged up whatever experience. It just has to be genuine and like... Sometimes you can be so connected to someone, you feel like you want to hold them so close that your bodies like slightly intersect. And I don't just mean physical penetration. I mean like your chests somehow like passing through each other, like they're polygons that don't interact. Um, there's that sort of feeling. You can't quite get close enough. There's things like that. And, it, you know, at the end of a session like that, it's still possible to be like, thank you, that was an amazing thing for me to have in my life experience mm -hmm. and move in different directions but it's that for me is best sex what what would you say you have learnt from your work about sexuality or being sexual hmm what have I learned Well, it's made me aware that I don't have to be afraid of it. And I can be exactly who I am, even in my sexual life. And still, you know, not, it, I don't have to like become someone else to be attractive or I don't have to do other things. Um, just, just being who you are and having that even down to a sexual level is something exciting. And is there something that you can say that you've learned from your work about humans in general, about the human mm. condition? Hmm. There's, there's certain things. Uh, so there's, there's some easy things, like not everyone, not everyone is tactile. Not everyone uh, reacts in the same way, but there is a language, a language which society, when it portrays sex, very rarely discusses and assumes that people will be able to engage with, regardless of 
um, learning differences of all sorts. It says, okay, there's this subtle language that everyone's going to know. I've learned more about this, and I've learned, and I've understood that I guess the human condition in that is is wanting to have some of this this dialogue, this this conversation, uh, this language. Um, but not everyone is at a place where they are practiced enough with the language or, or are comfortable with it. And sometimes they need a little bit of hand-holding with it. Um, sometimes they're natural. <laughs> and what advice would you give to others about sex or being sexual? Hmm. I would say be aware that porn is a fantasy and that uh, there is times when it's messy and we edit them out. And actually, even when there's times when it's messy, we say to each other, um, you know, shit happens and someone will go wash off on these sorts of things. Um, there's times when it's not messy. Um, and sorry, when you say messy and shit happens and go wash off, <laughs> do you mean it literally? Or do you mean messy in other ways as well? So what I mean literally, I, I mean it literally there because Sometimes even if someone douches, and not everyone needs to douche because their body holds material in different places within their, within themselves. But even if uh, sex does become messy, it it's important for the penetrative partner to be aware that that can give the receiving partner huge sort of trauma or shame if it's not handled correctly. If it's not like it just needs to be you know, dealt with as something that can happen. That's why we say shit happens. Um, and no matter if it's not very pleasant, it's the sort of mental anguish that the other person can go through from that situation is something that needs to be avoided. Uh, so a mature person will, will handle that and not be like, oh, that's just un, unpracticed or something, you know, like, because you don't want someone carrying that sort of feeling around. So there's things like that. Um, I would say, yeah, and obviously, like, in, in adult film, like, it doesn't show um, our vaccinations, it doesn't show being on PrEP or you equals you, it doesn't show how regularly we test, how often, how comfortable we are with talking with this stuff. Um, so there's all of those pictures as well. Um, you know, we see sex and sexual health as two sides of the same coin. Um, and aren't afraid to discuss or investigate that. That's that's not something which so so often in the outside of porn world people are afraid of mixing those two as if okay suddenly it's unsexy to to be involved with sexual health or sexual health is this clinical thing which has nothing to do with sex. Um, I would also say ongoing consent is um, important. So be aware that. Even if someone has taken off their clothes, uh, that doesn't mean that everything you do, they've already fully consented to. In a, a conversation happens throughout sex. You don't know whether the verbal that you might do is actually something that might be deemed as racist by the other person or demeaning by the other person, or perhaps your attempt to humiliate them is, is with something that you have as a fantasy, but something that they aren't comfortable with. Um, and sometimes people will enjoy going to those places, but it's important to make sure that it, it doesn't have to be like a formal contract, but something where you're you're remembering that there's there's two people, and 
the respect of uh, seeing whether it's somewhere to push or not. You mentioned something about people thinking that engaging with sexual health mm. can sometimes be unsexy. Mm. I wonder, what, what do you think about the notion that engaging with sexual health on some level means engaging with the reality that sex can be quite harmful? That opening up to others is opening up to being hurt by others. So engaging with the idea of how to protect yourself from others is engaging with the ideas of the risk of hurt from others. Mm -hmm. So we're talking emotional, sort of, okay, romantic hurt. And no, I, I actually mean it more in a literal sense of STIs. Okay. But to a certain extent that is translated <laughs> into emotional hurt as well, I guess. Sure, okay. So... It's a strange thing that we can walk out of our house and step in chewing gum and look at the underside of our shoe and pull it off and not go, where did this come from? Who was it that this chewed this and, and has left it here and it's now on the underside of my shoe? Instead, we take it off. Uh, it might take a little while to take off, but we, we sort it out. We do the right thing. We might have to go to a... Uh, a specialist to get advice of how to do it but you deal with it and you know that it's just something that's happened and at the same time when it comes to a sexual transmitted infection there's such a focus there's such an, an onus on blame that that almost seems to be the bigger issue rather than communal sort of litter picking on this it's not like the person that gave it to you was inherently a, uh, an embodiment of evil uh, it's not like they asked to have it uh, and it is largely people don't know they have something when they have it so why on earth is it why on earth is it appropriate to assume blame like that so I, I hear that I guess uh, the angle that I'm interested in is if you enjoyed walking yes as a pastime mm -hmm. and you were constantly engaging with the dangers of walking or yes. the dangers of walking onto chewing gum, yes. can you see how that would take away from the pleasure of walking? Mm -hmm. So in the same way that you enjoy having sex and you're constantly thinking of risks, yes. I'm not saying whether it's advisable or not, yes. but can you see how some might say that's quite uns unsexy? I can understand. I think, as you say, the, like... <laughs> The paranoia of stepping on gum shouldn't get in the way of the experience of uh, having a walk. <laughs> um, but I can understand how some people get hung up with that. But I would say a lot of the people who have those concerns are people that have not had the experience of ste stepping and chewing gum. And having had it taken off their shoe and realizing that this is something that we can handle. That in, in some ways, having those experiences, even even if it's heartbreak or if it's an STI, it's something where we are adaptable enough to be able to conquer these fears and to move, still live the human experience that we deserve. And with that, we've reached the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. 
If you'd like to get in touch with Jason, you can reach him on Twitter and Instagram at the Jason Domino. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at this ripe fruit. And if you have any comments or questions that you'd like to ask, you can email me on this ripe fruit at gmail.com.